I want to start by saying some thank yous. We didn't have time to say thank you at the, um, at the retreat yesterday because we kind of ran out of time. But I want to thank, first of all, the people who made the food. They, they went so far. They, you know, they found out that I like organic food. So they had this huge platter of organic food at every meal. And it was too much for me to eat. So I, I fed it to the whole group. But I, I, I had some too. And who else do we need to thank? We need to thank the worship team. Yeah, they were in tune with the spirit of things. Yeah, and also Nancy and Tommy and Gay and, and Pete and the pastor for letting us come here. Yeah. So am I forgetting anybody? And all the prayer ministers, yeah, who came up and prayed for people. That's a hard job. And am I right to, when I say that I think somebody told me that the worship leaders actually came and practiced at 3 in the morning? Three in the morning. That would mean they had to get up at like two or one thirty in the morning. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I haven't forgotten anybody, right? The intercessors. The intercessors. For four months. For four months. Yeah, yeah and we, and I could feel it too. I've been to places where they don't have intercessors. I could feel that too, but I could feel that. Yeah. Okay. Now I can start because I'm going to talk about honor, and I can't start if I haven't honored people. Yeah, and you know what? That is the best church choir I've ever heard anywhere. <laughs> that was amazing. So, Lord, I ask you to tailor my words to suit the people here. Tailor my words in, in such a way that they, they answer questions that are in people's hearts. Lord, let it be as if as if it was, uh, those words were made up just for just the person who's sitting in the pew. You can say, yeah, the Lord brought that word for me. Help me hear you as I speak. And help me speak your words and no others. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a Scripture that's always caused me some problems. It's John 4, 12. John 4, 12 says, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. In fact, anyone who has faith in me, and underline that word anyone, that's everybody. Anyone who has faith in me will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And you know the... When I read that, the first thing, of course, that comes to mind is the miracles, walking on water and, and, and feeding 5,000 out of a few loaves and fishes and healing a disabled man at the pool and, and raising the dead. And of course, when I think of those things, I get all excited. Yeah, I, I can do greater things than that. Why isn't it happening? But you know, there's some other things Jesus did. Let's back up a little. He was publicly insulted and publicly challenged and asked hard questions by people who wanted to make fool out of him in front of everybody. And he was, he was mocked and spit on. He was flogged. He had all his clothes stripped away and he was nailed to a cross and insulted while he was hanging there. And Jesus said, we can do greater things than that. I think the excitement is starting to wither. <laughs> But you know, 
The fact that Jesus did those things enabled him to do those other things because miracles are preceded by honor. You all know about the time when Jesus went to Nazareth. He couldn't do very many miracles there because of their lack of faith. But you know, it was because of something else too that he could not do very many miracles. And that's the part we overlook. And that's the part I want to highlight today. In Matthew 13, 57 through 58, Matthew 13, 57 through 58, it says he couldn't do very many miracles because of their lack of faith, but he also said only in his hometown and in his own house is a prophet without honor. Dishonor was the reason why there was no faith. How do I get faith? Through honoring the one in whom we have faith. And Jesus said, if you do it to the least of these, my brothers, you do it to me. And who are the least of these, my brothers? They're the people who are standing around the cross, crucifying you. That's who the least of these are in our eyes. When you look at what Jesus did in Nazareth, this is what he did. I'm reading from Luke 4, 14 to 37. Jesus returned to Galilee. And the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. And he taught in their synagogues and everybody praised him. He went to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him and unrolling it he found the place where it was written. And this is in Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the captives and recovery of sight for the blind. If you look up Isaiah 61, that line, recovery of sight to the blind, is not found there. Isn't that strange? Jesus was not quoting the Hebrew Old Testament. He was quoting the Greek Old Testament, which is called the Septuagint. And in the Greek Old Testament, there's a few extra lines. Why did he do that? Why didn't he quote the Hebrew Old Testament, which is the Old Testament that Hebrews used? Because these people were blind, and he wanted them to know it. And every one of them would say, wait a minute, that's not in our Bible. Jesus wanted them. To know it, that was the line he was highlighting. Recovery of sight to the blind. And everybody's thinking, okay, wait, wait, wait. Why is he adding that line? Their ears are perked. To release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Once again, something's changed. Because in, in, in uh, Isaiah 61, there's one more line that Jesus doesn't go on to say. And that line is, he doesn't go on to say, and I had it written down here, so give me a second to find it. Let me look up Isaiah 61. I know what it says, but I want to have the exact wording. 
In Isaiah 61, it, he goes on, at the very end of it, it says this. Release for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. Jesus stopped short of adding that part. And once again, people are thinking, what is he doing? Why didn't he say that part? Because that's our favorite part, you know. And this is why it's our favorite part. Nazareth, Nazareth was a fairly new village. It had only been settled about 100 years before that. And in the Middle East, that's pretty new. It's not very new where we come from, you know, Post Falls, Idaho, and then Spokane, Washington. Everything was settled 100 years before, but this was new. And what had happened is the Maccabeans, who were Israelites who rebelled against the Romans not long before that, a couple centuries before, they rebelled against the Romans. And after they rebelled against the Romans and threw off the Romans, Jerusalem fell to the Romans. The Romans recaptured it. And when they did, many of the priests scattered out of Jerusalem. And many of them moved up to Galilee. Up until then, it was called Galilee of the Gentiles. It became a Jewish area. A lot of priests settled there. And so this was probably an all-Jewish town because it was fairly new and the Jews were the ones who recently settled and they wouldn't want to settle in a town with all those terrible Gentiles. They'd make their own town. And so they have in their recent history a lot of bitterness toward these Romans. And Could you show a, a PowerPoint that I, that I have for that? Yeah. This is a picture of a Roman bath. Just in the last couple decades, there's been a discovery around Nazareth. Right on the edge of Nazareth, they've excavated a Roman bath. Never knew it was there before. Now, this is a town that was very small. Some people think it had about 120 people. And yet there was this large Roman bath there. And even if there were enough people to go to it, Jews wouldn't go to a Roman bath. Jews were very prudish. You know, the women wore the veil and the men wore, at least the men who were past 30, would wear robes that went down to their ankles. And they did not indulge in public nudity. But, you know, you go to the bath and that's what you do. So, who was using the bath? There had to have been a garrison of Roman soldiers on the edge of Nazareth. And the garrison's pretty big, so probably almost as many Roman soldiers, if not more, than there were people in the town. Boy, doesn't that make you angry if you're a Jew? Not only do you have the insult of your recent ancestors having to leave Jerusalem and settle in this place so far from their beloved city, not only do you have the insult of having been conquered not very long ago. But on top of that, you have to live next door to these Roman soldiers who live this lascivious lifestyle and get naked and go in the bath. Scandalous. And so when Jesus left off that last little line to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the vengeance of the Lord, that didn't set very well with these folks did not set well at all.
And then Jesus rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And I think some of them didn't have a very nice look on their face. And he began by saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Okay, it's starting to get really strange here. <laughs> this guy who says this is hinting that he is the Messiah. Okay, wait a minute. If he's the Messiah, doesn't he even know what Messiahs are supposed to do? They're supposed to, they're supposed to focus on the best part of the scripture, and that is taking vengeance on the Gentiles, and he leaves it out. This dimwit is not the Messiah. <clears throat> so all their eyes are fastened on him. And you know, you, you ever been in a place where you can feel the eyes boring down on you? Today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing and all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. So, okay, we're offended but we're still kind of with him. We, we know that he's done miracles and frankly we are amazed. But isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. There's a little doubt there. We haven't gone over the edge yet but we're kind of doubting. Well, if they hadn't gone over the edge yet, Jesus gave them a big shove after this. Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Now, you know what? He hadn't been to Capernaum yet. That's where he goes next, after Nazareth. So he's saying, this is, he's predicting, you're going to say this. Which means these people wanted miracles. They wanted it to happen, but they didn't get it. And there's a reason they didn't get it. Because honor precedes miracles. I tell you the truth, he continued, the prophet, no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. I assure you, there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. I always wondered, why is he talking about that? What does that have to do with the subject? Let me tell you what it has to do with the subject. She got a miracle, and they didn't. <laughs> and you know them's fighting words, because we're in the synagogue, and the men are in the front, listening with intent. And the women are behind a screen back there. So Jesus is speaking primarily to these men. And women were never compared with men favorably. There's only one place outside of the Old Testament in all of antiquity where a woman and a man are compared and the woman comes out looking good. That's how extreme it was. Let me read to you a few things about what the rabbis said about women back then. And this is from a book called Cultural Keys to Luke 15. Um, actually, that's the subtitle. The title's Finding the Lost by Kenneth Bailey. I'll just read a few. The Midrash Rabbah on Genesis, which is written in the 300s, reads, Women are said to possess four traits. This is a rabbi speaking. 
They're said to possess four traits. They are greedy, eavesdroppers, slothful, and envious. <laughs> this is what it says in, uh, this was said by Ben Sirach in about 195 BC. For the moth comes out of clothes and a woman's spite out of a woman. A man's spite is preferable to a woman's kindness. Women give rise to shame and reproach. Here's one that was said uh, by a pre-Christian rabbi in the years B.C. Josie B. Yohanan of Jerusalem said, Talk not with much with womankind. They said this of a man's own wife. Don't talk to your wife. Hey, don't you wish you lived back then, some of you? <laughs> and if you did, you better get you right with God. They said this of a man's own wife, how much more of his fellow's wife. Hence the sages have said, he who talks much with womankind brings evil on himself and neglects the study of the law and at last will inherit hell. Women weren't looked on very kindly back then. In fact, women were thought to be liars and so we can't trust their testimony. And so they, they weren't even allowed to testify in court in most cases. Jesus is looking at these men and he's saying I assure you there were many widows in Israel's in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land yet Elijah was not sent to any of them but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon now it's interesting he says Elijah wasn't sent to any of those widows already he's insulting them because you know they're thinking well of course he Elijah would be sent to a man. He wasn't sent to any of those widows in Israel. He was sent to a Gentile widow. Not just a widow, but a Gentile. You can't even touch a Gentile or you're unclean. You can't eat with a Gentile. You can't be in the same place with a Gentile. And this woman, she honored me. Her people believed, the people of that region, the pagans there believed that a God had power only in his own country. And so Elijah was coming out of his country to hers and she was trusting, in spite of the belief of her people, she was trusting that his God had power in her country. She honored him. And then she was, she was just about to have her last meal. She said, my, I just have enough for a last meal with my little son, and then we're going to die. And he says, well, give me that meal. Now, that's like an insult, isn't it? Some stranger shows up on your doorstep and says, and you, and you tell him, we're about to starve, we only have one meal left. Well, give it to me. <laughs> she had to be a very, very sensitive, very perceptive, very spiritually attuned woman to know that this was a prophet <laughs> and to trust him. But she was so honoring that she was willing to risk starvation in order to go with what she sensed about this man. That's how honoring she was. And so Jesus did miracles for her. She, he said, take your little jug of oil, your jar of flour, and multiply it. Just, just keep filling it up, filling up more jugs and more, more containers and and she was able to make it last 
throughout the entire famine. Jesus is saying, Elijah, in a sense, insulted this woman. He was terribly rude. He appeared to be selfish. He wasn't. You know, he was doing what prophets back then did. Prophets would put you through a test. They often did that. Elijah did that with Elisha when he kept saying, you stay here and I'm going to move on. And Elisha said, no, I'm going to follow you. And then he'd come to another village. You stay here, I'm, I'm going to move on. And Elijah said, Elisha said, no, I'm going to follow you. And so because he kept following him, when Elijah went up into the heavens in the, in the fiery uh, chariots, he received the double portion. Elisha received it because he passed the test. That's what prophets did. Well, Jesus was putting them to the test. And then he gave them another test. Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a woman in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet. And yet, not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. Naaman the Syrian, according to 2 Kings 5, in verse 10, it says that he came to see Elisha to get healed of leprosy. And Elisha once again put him to the test. Now, normally, normally a leper could not come into the village because he was unclean. He'd have to come so close to the village and if you greeted him, you'd have to come and you'd have to stand at a long distance. Because he was a general in the army, he was a great leader and very respected, apparently he was allowed to come and pull up in front of, of Elisha's house, but, and Elisha probably couldn't have him come in. But Elisha should have come and greeted him. That was the custom. You know, they were so into hospitality. If hospitality was primary, you did not breach hospitality in that culture. And he should have come out to greet him. And if possible, he should have thrown a banquet for him. In this case, if he did, he couldn't eat in the same place because he had leprosy. But he should have thrown a banquet for him. And afterwards, he should have said... He should have bowed way down on the ground and said, what may your humble servant do for you? But instead, he sent a servant to talk to him. Now that was a slap in the face, especially for a general of an army of the greatest power in the world. You know, it's like, uh, it's like our Secretary of State coming and visiting some uh, guy who lives in, in the nation of Togo in Africa. There is a nation called that, you know, in case you haven't heard. And so he's insulting him. And of course, everybody in the village knows that this man is here. This is exciting stuff. You know, like I said yesterday at the seminar, that village life was so boring, so boring, that you could lose a coin and then find it and throw a party and all your friends would come to it. So if that would, would cause the whole village to wake up and say, wow, look what's ha happened Everybody knows about this. And so Naaman is being publicly insulted. Publicly insulted.
the servant comes out and says, go and wash seven times in the Jordan. Now in Damascus, they have a river that's very pure, clear, crystal clear water that comes from the melted snows of Mount Hermon. The Jordan was dirty, it was murky, it was slow moving. And of course, Naaman said, don't we have rivers in our own country? And he was going to take off, but his servant said, no, Naaman, please, just, just try it. Just see what will happen. And so Naaman honored Elisha in spite of the fact that he had been insulted publicly by this nobody when I am somebody. And he went and dipped himself seven times and he was cured. And, you know, in the law of Moses, they had instructions for how the priests were to handle a situation if somebody came with leprosy and he was supposed to do all these ceremonies to pronounce them clean. You know, up until the time of Naaman, no Israelite had ever been cured of leprosy. And the priests, when it came to that, you know, they, I'm sure they must have thought, well, what's, what's that there for? And, and Jesus cured the first lepers in Israel. And so, can you imagine? what the priest must have felt like when all those lepers arrived at the, at the temple and said, well, we're here for our ceremonial process to, for you to pronounce us clean. I'm sure they must have said, well, wait a minute, let me go read the text because I've never used this before and I've forgotten all about it. That's how honored Naaman was. And Jesus is saying, this man was insulted by me and yet he honored me. And so he received a miracle. Now Jesus has compared people of Nazareth, the men of Nazareth, to two Gentiles, a woman and a leper. And you know, people thought leprosy was, it came on you because you were sinful. So not just a leper, but a sinner. Jesus is saying to them, Elijah was insulted Elijah insulted, excuse me, he insulted a woman and she honored him and she received a miracle. Elisha was, was insulted, Elisha insulted a leper and a sinner and a Gentile. And that, that person honored him and he received a miracle. I am now insulting you how are you going to respond? Remember when Jesus added that line, recovery of sight to the blind? The question now is, are you blind? Show me. They were blind, they couldn't see him. In fact, it says in verse 30 that they got so angry at him, and you can see why. They got so angry at him that they took him and they were going to throw him off the brow of the hill and kill him. But he walked right through the crowd. You know, they, they actually were physically blind to him. That's how blind they were. They couldn't see him in any way, spiritually, physically, etc. Jesus went to Capernaum. And in verse 32, it says, They were amazed at his teaching because his message had Authority. They honored his authority. In verse 34, in verse 33 it says, In the synagogue there was a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. He cried out in the top of his voice, Ha! What do you want with us? 
Jesus of Nazareth, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of Israel. And Jesus said, be quiet. Even the demons saw him. They were more honoring than the people of Nazareth. They didn't honor him, but at least they saw him. They were more, less blind than they were. So the question is, who is it whom God is allowing to insult you? Several years ago, several years ago, Elijah House was in trouble. There was a lot of disunity going on. And there, was, there were many of us on the staff who really didn't honor our leaders the way we should. And one day, the Lord put us to a test. Suddenly, overnight, we received 40% less income than we had before. And it kept on going week after week. And after six weeks of it, our CEO said, if this goes on for two more weeks, we're going to have to close our doors permanently. Well, we woke up and started praying. And one morning, one of our staff members came in and she said, you know, I've realized that I'm trying to fix our leadership so that I can be safe and I need to repent of that. And she did that in our prayer time. We have a uh, kind of a devotional time every morning before work. And then I came in the next morning and I, I said, you know, the Lord's shown me something about myself and I need to repent of it. And the very next day, I, we found out that the day, we found out from our bookkeeper that the day that that first person repented, $18,000 came in. We had honored and the miracle came. And the next day when I repented, 12,000 more came in and, and we were saved. The, the income went back to normal. There was a lady who did not honor her father. And you know, in Elijah House, what we do is we find out where is the dishonor in your life toward others, especially mother and father, because it says in the scripture, honor father and mother that it might go well with you. And so we find out if it's not going well with a person, where are you dishonoring? Usually father and mother, sometimes brothers and sisters, sometimes others, teachers, pastors, so that it might not go well with you. Well, there was a lady, I'll call her Ellie. Her mom and dad were divorced when she was little. And her mom was very bitter toward her father. Her father was a very fearful man and he stayed away. So once they were divorced, she didn't see him very much except for when she reached out. And her mom told Ellie lies about her dad. He said, he doesn't love you, he's mean, he's stingy with money. Now there was some truth to it. Dad was fearful, and he gave in to that fear. But it wasn't completely true. And one day, Ellie realized she'd bought into the lies, and she had made those lies her own, and she was dishonoring him. And she realized, I don't know my dad. I do know Yes, he has fallen down on the job. He should have been contacting me. He should have been reaching out to me more than he has. When she went to visit him in the past, he did respond to her, but he wasn't initiating it out of fear. But at the same time, she said to herself, I really don't know him. I know the bad part about him. I don't know who the rest of my father is. 
And she said, Lord, forgive me for assuming I know. I don't know. Only you know the hearts of all men. She said, Lord, I forgive my dad for doing stingy, unloving things by not contacting me and reaching out to me. Forgive me for believing that this is who he is. She got home at 9 o'clock that night. And at 9.30, her father called. Now, before, she had always called him. This was the first time in 17 years that he called her. And he said, can I come visit you? She about fell over. Before she always visited him, he'd never visited her. And when he got there, he started praising her, and he said, I'm sorry, I've, I have not treated you rightly. And I want you to know I was always proud of you. I should have told you that. And you know, you're a better person than I am. If you ever wonder if you were successful, look at the faces of your sleeping children and see if you've succeeded beyond most people. And then, without her asking him, about a week later, he loaned her $17,000 to start a new business that she'd been wanting to start and had no money for. Honor had preceded miracles. My brother Lauren has a church in Denver, and he realized that you've got to be honoring. And he's tried to straighten out all the dishonor in the church. And he made everybody sit down and work things through and honor each other. And then they, they went to the Navajos to do ministry in Arizona. And they, they'd take truckloads of things down and give it to them. And when they got there, they discovered it looked like they had more than they started with. And so they started counting things before they went. So they, they took 35 dolls down to to give to the children. When they got there and unloaded them, there were a hundred dolls. Everybody got at least two of them. They took 86 bicycles down to give to the people to ride around on. When they got there, there were 120 of them. God, you know, isn't that strange? God doesn't just multiply bread and loaves and fishes. He multiplies bicycles. Every week, there's more people just being spontaneously healed of their illnesses in his church, and it's because there's honor there. There's one more kind of dishonor that you have to get rid of before you do greater things than Jesus did, and that is, you know, there's a such thing as spiritual gluttony. When you so want the miracles and the healings and all those things, that they are the most important thing instead of God. When I read about all the miracle workers who lived throughout the centuries, they all say the same thing. They say, I never looked for miracles. I just looked for Jesus. Because if I had looked for miracles, I would have dishonored him and I wouldn't have gotten any miracles. I just looked for Jesus, just looked for his love. And because I looked for his love, and not only that, chose to honor those around me, chose to honor those who persecuted me, who spit on me, who hated me, and treat them like they are Jesus, because that was my focus. And I just forgot about the miracles. Miracles happen. Lord, I ask you to speak to everybody here and show them exactly who it is. Who is the person in my life? who's dishonoring me, 
a person who God might have even sent to insult me. Who is it, Lord? What am I to do to honor them? Give me my assignment. Lord, I lay down any craving for miracles. I crave to honor you. And if you do it to the least of these, my brothers, you do it to me. I crave to honor that person. And if I don't crave it, Lord, give me that desire. And if, I, and if you don't give me the desire, give me the courage to go against my desire. And I trust that you'll give the rest because you seek first the kingdom of God. All these other things will be added to Do that for us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank God for this word today. Such a Listen to this message again online. We're making CDs. That is a message you are going to want to go back to and listen to it again. Um, Catherine Barnes, uh, is she anywhere around? If I could just get Catherine in here so I can give her some instructions. I, I want you, there are some people who I know are going to want to be prayed for this morning. And we have another group of people. Now, they're not nearly as pretty or spiritual as you all are. But they're coming in right after you guys. But I do not want to do anything that would cause us not to be able to have our prayer time. And I know some of you, through that message, you, you want some ministry. You want to receive some ministry. So we're going to turn my office into a, a prayer room, okay? Uh, some of you are new to the area and you're new to the church. You don't know the building very well. Catherine, what I want to do, I see you back there. Um, I want to turn my office into a prayer room this morning and just have some people right there at the door. My office, let me tell you all where my office is. Right there. Right there. So go through this exit or this exit or this exit and just go right there in that corner and my office and you'll be greeted. And guys, do you mind just going in there for a little while and minister to people? And was a they love doing that. So they'll, they'll go, Nancy will lead them back there and... Uh, and, and if you just sense that, that God wants to do something in your heart and life through prayer before you leave here today, I want you to go right back there. And if you guys come in late or whatever, don't worry about that. Just minister. And then after the second service, uh, we'll be open and, and we'll just be able to minister right up here. But I didn't want the people in the early service to miss out on that. Does that make sense? So um, we're going we're gonna to close this service, and you're gonna, those of you who want prayer, just go right there, and you'll be greeted, and there may be a little bit of wait time, but, uh, but it'll be worth it. It'll be worth it, all right? Father, thank you for this word today. I've been a pastor for uh, 30 years and a preacher longer than that, and this was fresh to me today. This was so fresh to me today. Lord, I receive that teaching for my life. For my life. And I felt the correction of your Holy Spirit in my heart in some areas. 
God, I just receive that, Lord. I want to be, I want to be one who honors that you might be free to do in my life those things you want to do. What a great message. What a great word. Lord, reveal, start with me. I'm, I'm the pastor of this church. Start with me, God. What in my life, where in my life am I being dishonored? Because I want you to be in me and in my family and in my church, whatever you want to do. Pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Those of you who are our guests today, will you just go back to the Guest Welcome Center and make sure you pick up your gift before you leave? Nancy, if you will lead them back to my office. Thank you. Thank you.